Day one of the Valspar is in the books. It's fun to see a few of our old friends back on top and the first ever albatross in Valspar history. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thank you for joining me, appreciate it very much. The first round of the Valspar is in the books. And wasn't it nice to see Luke Donald back on top playing well and Obviously, Innisbrook is a perfect course for him to play, a former uh, champion there. I, I couldn't believe this, but it's been seven years since he's won. He spent, what, 56 weeks at world number one. He's had some back trouble that he's working on, working through. Had a very difficult year last year. He's on a, I think, a, a medical extension right now, so he has to come up with 300-plus FedEx points and has 15 starts to do it, and he's only used one. So um, hopefully he plays well, and we can see him back on tour a little bit. Again, uh, always known to be a, a short game wizard, a really an amazing short game player. I, in fact, uh, there, earlier this week, they were talking to Paul Casey, and he was talking about his sand game. And he said, look, my, I'm a really good sand player. I'm not as good as Luke Donald but I'm still a good sand player. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool, right? That to have a reputation of being that good at something that somebody's going to reference you when you haven't been playing around means that you must be extraordinary at his craft around the green. And today he actually didn't, he only hit, I think he only hit eight greens in regulation and still was able to shoot a, a four under par 67. So uh, not too shabby. Um, as far as the leaderboard goes, you've got, I don't know. I don't know either of these um, players. You've got Joel Dahman and Sepp Straka. I had to look up. Sepp Straka is actually from Austria, which is completely fascinating. But both with uh, 500 par 66 to take the lead in the first round. But you know, some you've got Russell Knox there at minus four, and he had the first ever albatross today on a par five and right made it in two. So very rare, and the first one ever at the Valspar, and more rare than hole-in-ones um, albatrosses are. So a very cool start. Um, and then Jim Furyk just keeps playing well. And uh, I, I actually read where his, so, you know, Jim Furyk is, um, his, um, his 10-year exemption from the U.S. Open has expired. And he was sitting around, well, out of the, the, top 100 as far as ranking goes. He was at 167th when he finished second at the Players' Championship, and that has now bumped him up into 57th place. And so that changes things for him. He hadn't qualified for the PGA Championship, um, and, and now he's moved up so many points. Now, you know, if you're in the top 50 by April 1st, you can play in the Masters. So now his schedule is kind of weird, you know? He's thinking about he's now in the match play in Austin. So he's essentially got this week and the match play in Austin to make enough points to hopefully break in the top 50 and qualify for the Masters. And then to play in the US Open again and not have to go and qualify, he has to be in the top 60, I think by May 1st. 
So he has to kind of keep his position by May 1st, and then he's in the U.S. Open, which would be great to him, great for him as a former champion. So it's interesting to see how he had a schedule worked out. When he went to the Honda, he figured he was going to have a couple weeks off, and uh, and then he played so well in the Honda with a, a top 10 finish um, that he got into the Players' Championship, and he didn't even know that that was possible. So now he's got to go in and play in the Players' Championship and plays well there, finishes sole second, and uh, now is ranked 57th in the world. So crazy turnaround for him. It's kind of fun to you know, see him sort of change his schedule. And, and now that we know that's what he's trying to do, see if he can't work his way into playing in the Masters and, and playing in the uh, U.S. Open again. So very, very cool. Um, one other thing I kind of thought was interesting, I saw that uh, Patrick Reed shot a plus seven, and they actually interviewed him yesterday to talk about the difficulty of the snake pit, which is right, 16, 17, 18 at Innisbrook, and very challenging holes. Um, everybody that they talked to said, look, if you can get out of there and even par, you're in great shape. And Patrick Reed said the same thing. So when I saw a plus seven, I thought, wow, he must have really got you know, bit by the snake pit. And, um, and the holes are all named, but 16 is named the moccasin, the 17 is named the rattler, and 18 is named the copperhead, right on the copperhead course in Innisbrook. But anyway, when I pulled up a scorecard, he actually was one over par through the snake pit and then was plus six uh, everywhere else. So that was interesting. I'm sure he's not very happy tonight with his play. So anyway, just a quick wrap up on the first day of the Valspar. It, it looks fun. Looks like we're going to have a good, a good tournament. And um, yeah, Brant Snedeker, Bubba Watson is fun. There were some good players out playing today. Dustin Johnson's in it. So should be a good tournament. Fun watch. Okay, what I wanted to get into today really quickly is I've been, um, so I've been asked a couple times about ball positioning. So we're going to get into sort of the technical side of things ball positioning. And ball positioning is a very, um, in fact, Harvey Pinnock always says that, said, said that it was the second most important part of getting set up to hit a golf shot is ball position, right? So, um, so how do you do it? Well, boy, there's a lot of different ways. I know some, I know some guys that I play with that play everything off their front heel, which freaks me out. You know, you have got to move so quickly, especially with your irons, when you're trying to have a descending blow on the ball and it's off your left hill, you've got to do some, you know, you've got to really move to that left side. So that creates some lateral motion. I, I just think it's too inconsistent. And since we're about simplicity here, I would say no. Do not, do not play the ball. Do not play every shot from your left, from your front heel. Um, that just seems ridiculous for, for us amateurs. So then, okay, so then how do you do it? Well, driver off the heel, I think that's universal. It's on a tee. You want to hit it on either, hopefully on the upswing a little bit, but at least at the lowest point and, and going up, moving up. So teeing it up off your left heel makes sense. I will also play a three wood off my left heel. Um... I've been known to play if I really want to get it up in the air and um, like if it's a down a downwind, you know, putting a driver off the toe sometimes just to get it up in the air so it'll ride the wind a little bit. But so I think that's pretty common right there off the heel. 
Um, for and then for me personally, again, I'm, I'm I, every everybody's a little different. I, I definitely see some players that move every club a little more back as they go. I'm not one of those. Again, I'm try to be super simple. So I play my driver off off the heel. I play my three wood off the heel if it's teed up. If it's not teed up, I play um, three wood and hybrids three and four iron off kind of just inside my left heel. And then everything else I play in the center of my stance. Again, it's just about simplification. So that's just generally speaking, and I think that's a really good way to go as far as consistency goes. That seems to work really, really well. Some of you are very comfortable moving the ball back and forth, and I think that's great, um, as long as you're consistent with it. If you are hitting fat and thin, and you can't find the center of the club face, club face consistently, I would try to find a more consistent and right in the center of your of your stance is a great way to go. It, you can hit a descending, you can you know descend on the ball with an iron, um, like compress it and hit the ball properly that way, right? With the proper physics. Now that all being said, so that's just sort of a general rule. But we've talked in the past that sometimes. We aren't swinging the same, and it, it can be a lot of different reasons. Our back's tight, we're just not moving well, whatever the case may be, and we may not be swinging exactly the way we normally swing. And that can cause some, some, some differences at impact. And so I have noticed um, sometimes that everything else seems to be okay, and I get set up, my swing's okay, I know it's on plane and all that, but then I'll be hitting shots thin or fat, and I'll have to figure out why. Well, when you're, when you're on the course, if you find that you've hit one or two fat or thin, then try to understand why by paying attention to your practice swing, okay? So take a practice swing and see where, and, and try to brush the grass. There is, there is nothing worse and again, this goes back to Harvey Pinnock, right? There is nothing worse than taking a practice swing when, when you're actually trying to go out and play and taking a practice swing and not touching anything, not touching the ground at all is just, I mean, if you're loosening up, fine. But if you're actually trying to, to use your practice swing for any good whatsoever, always have some kind of a target to hit. So knock a dandelion head off, hit a blade of grass um, or you know, a clump of dirt or something where you can practice um, hitting something and squaring the club face and hitting it right in the middle of the club face. Use your practice swing for something that's, that's helpful, not just swinging to swing. Um, now, definitely we want to take practice swings that feel a certain way and compare that to our swing. But still, we can make sure that we are utilizing um, the surroundings to have a practice swing that is most beneficial to us as we play, right? So if you're having problems hitting it fat or thin, take a practice swing and watch where the club starts brushing the ground, where it very, very first starts brushing the ground. And Fred Shoemaker talks to us about this, and so does Harvey Pinnock in his his book, The Little Red Book, talks about this as well. Make sure that you're positioning the ball where it's starting to brush the grass. So if you have a place where we like to play the ball, if I like to play in the center of my, of my stance, but I'm hitting it fat, then I should take a couple practice swings and see, okay, 
for today, for whatever reason, for right now, I'm going to play that ball half an inch behind center. Now, could it be that it's, I have somehow or another, you know, miscalculated where center is? Absolutely. We can check that on the range when we're done. But right now we're trying to play and get through. So I will pull that ball back a half an inch and then I will watch it with a practice swing. You should watch it with a practice swing every single time you practice. Make sure that you swing with a target and make sure that practice swing is as beneficial as possible for when we're playing. Another, another reason to use a practice swing and, and see where it brushes the grass is when you're on undulating fairways. And sometimes we can't necessarily feel it. The ball might be below our feet. The ball might be above our feet. Our feet may not be level. So in those situations where you feel like something's a little bit off, take a practice swing and see where the club starts brushing the ground and then position the ball appropriately for that swing. So if you're swinging uphill or downhill, a practice swing next to the ball and see where it starts brushing the ground is, a, is wildly advantageous when you're playing in undulating fairways. So check that out as well. So recommendations, driver and three wood off tees off your heel, um, hybrid three, four, five iron even off just inside your heel and every other club in the center of your, every other, every other club for a full swing in the center of your stance is the simplest way to go. Um, again, very personal, but that's the simplest way to go. And then if you find that you're having problems hitting the ball thin or fat, make sure that you're paying attention to your practice swing. Always have a target for a practice swing so you can see exactly what your swing is doing and then make some adjustments. And if we've lost exact where exact center is on our swing or off the heel is on our swing or whatever, then we can take it to the range after and lay some um, alignment sticks down and figure out what's gone on. Chances are we've probably just missed our center. And then always when you're on uphill, downhill eyes or on undulating fairways, make sure you pay attention to your practice swing before you set up to the ball so you have the best opportunity to hit it crisply. So hopefully that's helpful, provides good feedback for you. Until next time, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.